welcome to episode 22 of the Cast of Call, where we talk all things related to the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. I'm your host, Rachel, and joining me is the other half of my quartet, the one, the only, the DJ. <laughs> the DJ? The uh, DJ! I get a the in front of my name? That's great. <laughs> I mean, there are other DJs, but they're not, there's no other D-E-E-J-A-Y. You are the <laughs> DJ, Right? <laughs> Is that why you chose to spell your name that way so that you could be the the one like you're like Madonnaing yourself a little bit? I mean, I thought when I was like twelve that I was really clever spelling out letters into a thing, and then other people saw it and decided it was clever and stole it. So there's actually they a, did. Yeah, there's a TJ and a CJ that oh. have uh, taken on my moniker of double E A Y. Do you feel like a Highlander situation coming on where there can be only one and you must go and decapitate them? <laughs> <laughs> the quickening! <laughs> there, uh, actually, one of them is uh, uh, a guy who puts himself in your stories. So he, uh, CJ. What? Yeah, he like, he heard me tell a few of my life stories and like the next time I ran into him, he was telling the story only uh, he was in it too. But we are back. Uh, yes. It's been a little while. Uh, I've yes. been on a feature-length film shoot. Uh, Rachel yeah, yeah. has slept with uh, um Well, not slept with. Uh, uh, like, where is this going? <laughs> slept around many animals. I don't know that the setup for that makes the rest of your sentence sound okay. <laughs> I went on a little safari. <laughs> like, ah, yes, yes. A very platonic, non-sexual safari. Let's move on. Let's just move on. <laughs> So, where did we leave off, Rachel? Well, um, we left off. Well, let me let me do our little preamble, and then I'll I'll catch us up to speed. So, first okay. of all, let's talk about the plan for this week. Um, we're going to continue our journey through the wastelands with our in depth conversation about here we go chapter titles: The Wastelands, Book One, Jake, Fear, and a Handful of Dust, Chapter One, Barren Bones, Sections Twenty Six through Thirty Two. So, which means we're actually finishing chapter one. Woohoo! Well, I, it's hilarious. These we're on what episode four of this book, and we're just now finishing the, the first chapter. Um, after that, we don't actually have a ton going on. There's not any Dark Tower news. There's a new Pet Cemetery trailer, and we're not going to talk about it. But have you seen it? Like, it's I actually it looks pretty good. It actually, looks pretty promising. Like John Lithgow is playing the the like Herman Munster part. And I think he'll be good in that. Uh, that movie has a very special place in my heart because it terrified me as a child. I didn't see it till I was like a teenager, but I listened to my dad watching it. And there's a part where the, where Zelda, the sister with, with spinal meningitis is like, Rachel. And it scared the shit out of me as a kid. <laughs> anyway. Um, so instead of doing any like news or anything this week, I did ask the listeners on our Facebook group, which if you're not in the Facebook group, you should really join the Facebook group because it's awesome. Um, a question. So we'll just have a little fun kind of reading through their answers and giving our answers um, after the review. So before we get really into this, DJ, can you remind our listeners about our spoiler policy? As usual, guys, we try to stick to only the sections that we plan to cover for this week. And if we are crossing into anything that spoils the entire series, we will definitely draw a hard line in the sand so that you don't fall over it. Uh, keep that in mind. And uh, if there are any links or anything, we will discuss those outside of this chapter as well so that they aren't spoiled in this section. 
Yeah. Although I, I don't know about you, but it's gonna get, it's starting to get a lot harder to not spoil the future. I know in this chapter especially because they yeah. introduced some things. Yeah. That I was like, how are we gonna talk about this without like just jumping forward? <laughs> I think we're definitely going to have to again have a spoiler section at the end when I mean, we can talk about it sort of in context and I'll move it to the end when I edit. But like, I do think it's worth having a conversation with the listeners about how they feel about spoilers. Like, I think we're coming into this assuming that some of these people, people listening are first time readers and I don't want to ruin it for them. But if the case is more that we're just assuming that and everybody is all has already read through the books then like maybe we have a little more freedom i would like to know from listeners if you are a first time listener reader going through this please let me know reach me on facebook or on email and uh and let me know what you it you know that you really need us not to avoid spoilers otherwise i would love to hear from other listeners if they are like over us holding over spoiler talk to the end I would really like to hear from hear us like talk about it in like full spoilers because there's like there is some imagery in this chapter that I was like oh, how am I going to talk about this um, because it's it's such an illusion to like a larger thing. Do you know what I'm I, talking about? Yeah, I forgot that it was hit like that in these like dream sequences so early on, and, and we'll we'll get to it here in a yes, second. But, yes, yes, but I, I didn't realize that there was so you know so many dreams like. Do you when you went through this like before we get into this chapter? Uh, yeah, no, and through I the didn't. books, did you remember how many freaking dream sequences there were? No, and I also didn't realize how many times like Eddie says things that are gonna freaking matter later. You know yeah, what I exactly. mean? Like I'm like, oh, we already knew about this place. Okay, that's interesting. Because <laughs> I, I kind of like um, I don't I don't know when I first read through this, I sort of zoned out a lot of the the dreams like a, they, I know yeah. they were there but I didn't like think about them as heavily and now going right. back you're like whoa yeah whoa. I don't think anybody reading it the first time would have really put much weight on any of no. those things because they're kind of throwaway like yeah. you get a little section it's filler so Stephen King can get his word count and then like bam you're done. <laughs> and then right. afterwards you're like maybe that wasn't just for word count Hmm. yeah so I don't know we'll definitely but as of this episode, we're going to be continue to be careful with spoilers and have a special spoiler section after the at the very end. Um, but moving forward, I definitely want to get feedback because if it if the books continue to be this like breadcrumby, it's going to be super hard not to like not to talk about what they're getting. I mean, the whole point of an, is analyzing this, right? Is like yeah, highlighting exactly. these moments, so it makes it a little tricky. But I don't want to ruin anybody's experience because like the Dark Tower. The first time you read The Dark Tower is, like, pretty amazing, and I don't want to take that away from anybody. So well, until you get to the later books. Uh... I'm hoping, you know what, I had such a, like, strong affection for Drawing of Three before we read it. I'm hoping that when we get to the later books, it's going to be, like, the reverse. Having read through these like, on such a deep level, like, I have a better feeling about what happens later. That's my hope. I don't know. I'm not predicting <laughs> that's the case, but that's like where my heart is at right now. So, okay, before we get to, uh, before we do the review, just really quickly, we do, we don't have any listener mail this week, but we did, um, we did actually get a review nine months ago that I missed. <laughs> so, okay, so I'm really good about checking the iTunes, right? Like, but I did not realize that you could also leave reviews on Stitcher. 
So uh, this this review comes from nine months ago, and I was like, damn it. Um, the other thing is, is like I check for international iTunes reviews, but it's one of those things where it doesn't show up easily. Like you have to manually check each country. So if mm-hmm. you are sending, if you've reviewed the podcast and you're in another country and I haven't mentioned it, please let me know. Um, send me a message in our email or on Facebook so that I can look it up because I don't want to overlook it. But like you literally have to like, pull the link into a browser and change the country code and so i just kind of just hit like you know english speaking places and so if i'm missing any let me know um okay so this one from nine months ago comes from our good friend Leroy. all right he says exactly what a dark tower fan is looking for the world has moved on and Ka has brought you here. I love how even his like reviews are like very evocative and literary. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm already drawn in. I'm here. I'm with you, Leroy. Uh, can you, can you not hear the horn of Elv or the sounds of the Todash chimes? If you are new to the Stephen King dark tower universe or have been an explorer of Midworld for a long time, this podcast is for you. In each episode, our dens, uh, Rachel and DJ guide our content. By the way, he spelled your name, right? Good job, Leroy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> guide our content along the beam closer and closer to the dark tower i've been a student and fan of the dark tower series since the gunslinger was first published and even now it is a joy to both revisit king's magnum opus and see the dark tower insights fro oh from from uh rachel and dj if you have any interest at all in the quest for the dark tower come and join the content and explore the dark tower multiverse and inner meanings of roland's journey Ah, uh, thank you, Leroy. I'm so sorry the delayed seeing it, but I really do appreciate it. And if you're listening to this on Stitcher, definitely leave us a review there. I will start looking when I'm doing my prep for the podcast. The other place, I don't think you can review us, but if you are someone who um, likes to listen to their podcasts on Spotify, we are officially on Spotify now. So, oh, yeah? Yeah, we are. So there's lots of ways you can listen to us and put us in your ear holes. So do so. And let us know if you're enjoying the show. Send us an email or please do leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. All right. All right. You ready to dive in? Let's do this. All right. Do you remember where we left off or do you need a reminder? No, no. I think I I got it. I had to actually, I kind of got ahead again. (laughs) So I had to back (laughs) up and (laughs) go back and and catch up on the stuff that I had already flown past. Uh, So uh, we left off the bear announcement that was uh, uh, signaling the decay of the last nuclear cells in Shardik goes away. The, the forest is kind of silent, and they're kind of doing their hiking thing, moving forward and following the path of the bear. And then they hear some mechanical noises off in the distance. So they tell Susanna, you need to stay behind. Stay back here and uh, hang out. Let the men go check this out, which I thought was kind of an interesting juxtaposition because, like, as a full-fledged gunslinger, uh-huh. you wouldn't think that there would be, like, a sort of weird protective male thing going on. Yeah, there's a little bit of push-pull of that in this pod, in this episode, which I, I'm, I'm excited to talk about. <laughs> and so they leave her behind, and they go up to the clearing, and they see a pack of, of small robots sort of meandering around in like a worry circle and and these robots like look like they've seen better days and there's mention that maybe possibly these are to like clean out shardik's uh, intestines or (laughs) i'm not gonna lie i actually had that same thought when i saw or heard about the snake i was like is that supposed to go inside him yeah and it's like (laughs) it's a weird combination of like creatures just crawling around and they're all just kind of like meandering as though they 
know that their master is dead. Uh, meanwhile, yeah. oh uh, dear, oh dear. Yeah, it's it's such a, a it's strange, a little sad. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> like and uh, Roland's like, you need to put these guys out of their misery. And uh, Susanna suddenly pops up. Apparently, uh, her stealthiness is is getting very good. She was able to crawl through the underbrush into them without uh, them noticing. Uh, but she is cut up a little bit. And uh, um, Roland, like, sort of uh, cleans her up, uh, pats uh, her, his little napkin around the bloody spots and says, well, I guess you made it this far. You can, you can go ahead and watch. And so uh, uh, there's a little bit of an argument between Roland and Eddie about shooting these creatures. Yeah. Uh, and finally Roland wins. Eddie's like, okay. And so he needs to shoot these uh, creatures the same way they took care of Shardik by knocking off their little antennas. Uh, their brain caps or, or whatever. Thinking and so, caps. What's that? They're thinking caps. They're thinking caps. So Eddie pulls his gun out. He uh, recites the uh, aforementioned gunslinger uh, creed and then starts shooting these creatures. And one of them, a, a flying creature, like nearly wings him. Mm. Uh, and he's really upset. And it, it's like a, it was flying so close to him that it could uh, hit Susanna. And he's like, you know, Roland, why didn't you take care of that? You know, and he's like, y- you're fine. You know, I was watching you. And it, just to prove that, like, uh, Roland could have taken care of it if he wanted to, like a creature flies out of the trees that they didn't see. And Roland, like, draws faster than Eddie's ever seen and just shoots it down out of the air. Yeah. And, and like, meanwhile, like, Eddie's sort of got this weird thing where he's mad at himself about uh uh, doing this like shooting but at the same time like he has this like rage joy and like sort of adrenaline high of doing it that like makes him almost get the fever of of being a gunslinger and and he's even and he's he's got the he's got dark tower fever too yeah exactly so yeah. that's kind of what I got out of this little section here. Rachel, you got some stars there. Oh, yes, what? you know me. <laughs> Add away, my dear. Okay, so one thing you've already touched on was the fact that Susanna, like, they try to, like, little like little lady her, like, okay, you stay here behind because you need to be protected as a girl, also as a, someone with a disability, right? Like, and I like that they to make pain. Stephen King makes pains to show that this person is not only – not going to stay behind because they are a woman, but they are also not going to stay behind because they have a disability. If they have to, they're a gunslinger and they are going to drag themselves to the action. They're not going to be left behind. And I'm glad that we're like dispensing with that. And my hope is moving forward and something that I'm going to be paying close attention to is whether or not that this lesson is learned that or if they continue to try to sideline her, even though she's actually a full fledged gunslinger. Um, and I like, I actually was really happy to see it because it was irritating to me in the pre- previous <laughs> chapter that they just left her behind <clears throat> i mean like I, I yeah so that was very cool to me um the other thing is is like it's a reminder that she's also learning lessons faster than than eddie is because like he they talk about how like he when he shoots these robots and the coldness comes over him it's a lesson that she'd already learned so like let's not put baby in the corner she needs to be with them through the process well and uh, eddie even gives uh, Susanna credit for being fast he said you know like he quotes like she's yeah. faster than much faster than me and roland made her look like a uh, turtle climbing up a piece of glass you know it's like yeah <laughs> well, yeah so the other thing we kind of breezed over is that in addition to the robots being um inside this this clearing is that it it's all gray and um and dusty and 
Eddie comes to realize that it's actually from the bone, like thousands and thousands of years of bone bones that are breaking down. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, they've reached another Golgotha. <laughs> right? Like they yeah. basically, so there's like, it's interesting if we think about like the role that bones play in the book so far that all of these like important plot points have like basically involved a bone bones or a Golgotha. Like whether it's um uh the obviously the Golgotha at the end of the gunslinger or the finding of the jawbone or the jawbone in the fire. But also I was thinking it like it isn't technically, but in some ways the slaughter um of um of the mobsters in the dark or in the drawing of three when there's just like basically piles of bodies. It's just like a pre Golgotha. And it's all of these really sort of essential moments in the books that all start with these clearings full of bones and death. (laughs) So I just thought it was interesting that like, it's almost like a, like it's setting a map right on their quest is like, Mm -hmm. they're like death markers are, are the, are the, the things that are creating the path to the dark tower. So. Now, uh, I, I'm a little um, – I, I want to make sure I, I do this in the right order. So yeah. uh, Eddie, um, he he kind of like has a little rush from shooting, and then he kind of wants some alone time. So right. where Susanna uh, left her wheelchair and crawled to them, he like yes. goes back and kind of stews on this whole situation, uh, thinking about the creatures crawling around. Um, the bone dust is interesting, Rachel, because I actually – I kind of just like the first time I read this, I, I think I focused on the bone dust a lot, but the second time I was like actually more interested in the robots and yeah. like, and then I had completely forgotten about um, the portal itself. Mm, you know what? I actually had forgotten about that as well. That's interesting. Considering it's such a it's big such an important freaking thing. thing. Yes. And like there's, uh, but there's something about the, like, it just, the, the picture that he paints of the robots and of the clearing is so much more evo- like it's so much more intense and like lasting mm-hmm. than like he kind of just hints at what this metal box looks like. So I don't know that I ever really felt my brain did not do the work of filling that in and it kind of just disappeared. Well, but- I had to go back to it two or three times because like at first it sort of seemed like uh, so uh, to to keep on pace, um, the Eddie gets back from uh, getting the wheelchair, and then they look at this glowing black box. And the way Stephen King describes it, it's like you barely hear the word "box," and then it's on to like the dying controls and like this poetic yeah. speech about it and the the hum of the earth and so on. And and it's it's strange because he's not really describing what they're seeing. It's right. just describing like this sort of like surreal image of technology yeah. failing in, in, in their mind. And it's a black box in front of them. Right. And, and so, and I mean, it kind of is a black box, right? Like it's a yeah, black, it's, it's literally just, it's, a black box and also kind of a black box. But it's like, it's, I was a little confused because can you walk into the black box? Like Eddie's describing controls and like, it's drawing him in. But, and they describe it as sort of like a subway entrance. Yeah, is it so? And there's a door, if I understood correctly. So I guess that's where I'm confused. Like, it's a black box, but is it a black box with a door, or is it just a yeah. black box? And they're imagining what's inside of it—the circuits dying and and so on. It, that part was. Really... Is it like a black box that will like turn into a door? Maybe. Well, I guess it's a portal. So. Yeah. 
I yeah. mean, like, I think we saw these in the the movie. Um, mm. So I think the idea is that it is it becomes a door, and based on previous and future knowledge, doors can appear. When is a door not a door? When it's a jar. Ah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that actually kind of makes sense in this case, right? Um, I uh, mean, so, we're, we're dealing with magical doors. So, <laughs> so backing up a little bit, um, Roland kind of yes. gives him like a mid-world science lecture uh, explaining, you know, he gets really excited when uh, Suzanne is like, you mean like magnets? And he's like, yes, it holds the time and the space and the location and the, you know, all these things together. And the beams could be, you know, thousands of years old and the, the earth is stretching. And this is when we find out that Roland uh, on a, in the first two books as he's uh, going across the uh, wastelands actually took – you know, um, a thousand miles and 20 years to cross. Yeah. And this is all <laughs> running from the one, like, uh, uh, fight, uh, and the escape from, um, I'm sorry, Rachel name. Uh, well, he starts in Gilead, but and... well, the, he actually names the, uh, the, the, uh, guy he's running from. Oh, Farson. Farson. John Farson. You. Yes. AKA possibly JFK. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, so like now we're starting to get this whole other sort of like feel for what like science has to do with all of this and that the beams have like been holding the world together for thousands right. of years, maybe tens of thousands of years. And then, you know, you go back a little bit and think about the bear, the guardian dying. Like, why would uh, the Positronics Corporation, you know, uh, put these bears and creatures and stuff like that into place and i and why would they program it so aggressively so that it kills everything that comes near it exactly Mm -hmm. uh and and so then the significance of this box is like it's really important and it was so important that stephen king uh threw in like a little poem that like stares into it and starts reciting and it's like uh, uh all is forgotten in the stone halls of the dead uh, behold the stairways which stand in darkness. Behold the rooms of ruin. These are the halls of the dead where the spiders spin and the great circuits fall quiet one by one. And, like, that's such a, so like, good. it gives you, like, a little chill almost. Yeah. Like, when you hear him say that. And, like, Eddie's, like, just staring into the box as he, he says this. And, like, the words penetrate so hard that Roland kind of, like flips out a bit right well he like has like an acid trip almost like he's seeing things and hearing voices and like you know feeling the hum of power around this box it's it it does kind of like it's this sort of inconspicuous like just a metal box with like yellow and black paint on it right Mm -hmm. and then you get near it and it's just like it's very misleading it is not more than what it appears to be in a very intense way so um, I, I know I always bring up Tommy Knockers. Oh, here we go. Okay, we but, we got to figure out how to get Langoliers into this too. But, Lay it on me. But okay, so <laughs> in, in the Tommy Knockers, like part of them, like getting their visions to build like machines and stuff like that, and get their get their energy sucked out of them, is them touching like a vibrating box. Oh, that's right. You know, like they get to touch the material, and the material like takes part of them away. You know, and like makes them smart, but also like destroys them. And mm. so that's sort of what the 
the portal felt like to me. It, the black box is that it's like, don't touch it. It's not safe. The, the energy it draws is from its surroundings. And, like, that's why we have a bear protecting it is because it, we need to protect it, but we also need to protect everything else from it. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yes, definitely. So you think it's – okay, so that's interesting. I was thinking, like, it was protecting – there were, like, the Walter O'Dams or John Farsons of that era. Obviously, it's a different era. But, like, people who would want to use those boxes for evil. But you're, like, actually saying, like, it may also be the fact that, like, they need to keep good people away from it because it's such a dangerous source of power. Well, and think about the uh, area around the box as they describe it. You know, it's like – it's done weird things to the nature around the box. Like when they actually walk up to it, like the trees have grown into like a a cave like shape. But isn't that the path of the beam that's doing that? I don't know. Yeah. I thought that's the whole point is they can follow the beam by looking at the way that the subtle, the subtle ways that it has affected nature around it. But I think the fact that like the hum underground and Mm -hmm. also the way that Eddie describes the feeling of like, he can like he gets goosebumps and then he feels almost like this like even though the ground everything the the air is still he can feel a wind pulling him towards it mm-hmm. and also the fact that it like calls to him and is very seductive and tempt like it tempts him closer to the point where Roland has to literally pull him away from the box like it does make it feel like there is something very sinister and powerful like it could be something that you both need to protect. From good people from and bad people from, you know? Yeah. So, so I also kind of breeze past this, but... Uh, There's important stuff, yeah, 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 yeah. Eddie has his little, like, uh, um, sort of, your, his acid trip, and he starts remembering, like, a childhood uh, Victorian house yeah. that was crumbling on Dutch Hill. Yeah. And, like, starts to describe this uh, mansion and, and then, like, kind of goes off into a little, like, tangent about kids breaking out windows, but the mansion never disappeared and never started on fire. And it's, it's like... It's some heavy foreshadowing. Yeah, <laughs> and like, when he describes how he feels if you were to go inside, the house would collapse upon him and grind his bones. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, I see you, Stephen King. I see you. Yeah, it's just... um. It's one of those things where you don't want to cross the the line and spoil future stuff, but man. I feel like we need to put up a spoiler wall here because there's some other things that happen in the section that I was like, holy shit. This was like, this was the money section of the entire chapter for me. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Just wanted to give you a quick heads up that we are about to get into some very heavy spoilers. I'm talking end of book seven spoilers. So if this is your first time reading through the dark tower you probably want to go ahead and skip forward to about the 35 minute mark uh just wanted to give you that heads up so you can avoid the spoilers if you care about them if not then proceed so okay so the uh, there's a couple of things that happen in the section do you have anything else you want to say about dutch hell i didn't mean to cut you off oh no 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 that uh that's fine um, i just wanted to open it up to you so that you could say whatever you wanted to say so the the two things that the house like obviously like collapsing in on himself like the house eats people <laughs> Right. So, I mean, it's like, yes, you basically told us a future plot point that we should pay very close attention to. Right. And also the fact that it's a freaking portal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, if you see the movie, you already know this. But if you haven't, you know, and you're reading through this for the first time, like, this is your first sign that, like, I mean, I, the fact that Eddie takes the time to stop and remember this thing, like, it's not a dream sequence. Like, he. 
like takes a moment and tells you this backstory of going to this house and how people stayed away from it and you know all these things like should tell you like this is a very important location and will definitely show up again well and around the campfire too roland explains that like this was all fated to happen no matter what and the tie-in to the house being a portal that eddie like played around as a kid is just like another like checkbox of like this is how it has always happened and always will happen and continues to happen to this day yes and and then on top of that you know like you have the roses you have the uh the deli in his dream and and like this is moving a little bit forward in this but uh you know like basically all of eddie's dreams are spoilers yeah eddie's dreams are spoilers (laughs) they really are the other thing about this that I we kind of I didn't really ever put together till this time is if you go back to like when he's describing how things are breaking down mm-hmm. and um but then he also talks about he uses the robots running around in a circle to illustrate his point and how they're just going in circles and circles as they break down further and further and further and the cycle repeats over and over and over I'm like Oh, we're talking about the wheel of Ka right now. Mm-hmm. They're ta- we're talking about our our quartet going through the cycle over and over and over as the world degrades around them. Hmm. I was like, okay, I got you. Like, I, there's like some very clear things on second read through that, like he's drawing a direct parallel to those robots, and it kind of explains some of why the, the I think. Roland decides they need to die. I mean, for one thing, they're dangerous going into the clearing. Probably they're going to be a problem and it's easier to pick them off. But like, they actually, like Roland is kind of a cold fish. And when he sees these these, um, robots, they make him sad. And in order to feel sad, you have to have a certain level of empathy. And I wonder if like some of why it's affecting to Roland is because like he sees without realizing it sort of this ongoing the on the, of the robot and their lack of purpose there. Well, I mean also just sort of like uh, this endless cycle that kind of feels like doomed. You know what I mean? Like it, it hmm. feels you're just like going around in cycles over and over and over again. Um, I would imagine like maybe without realizing it, that would be something that could be very affecting to someone and like, Normally, he doesn't feel sad about killing things, especially not robots or like, like he doesn't, I don't think he feels sad when he hunts, right? Why would he feel sad about these robots, except for that he maybe empathizes something in them and this feeling of like, trying to think of the word, it's not desperation, but just like this, hmm, like he just recognizes in something like a, someone who's trapped like in a cycle. Yeah. So, I don't know. That that definitely stood out to me. Like, that's the thing I want to pay attention to also moving forward is just anytime we see sort of this, like, motif of circles or cycles or wheels. I think no. all of those things are things that, like, King is, like, we can get some insight into, like, how our characters are feeling and, like, maybe don't even, like, on a subconscious level based yeah. on how they respond to these motifs. Do you think a, a King actually, like, planned it this way or it just fell I, into place and then, like, he was like, oh, yeah, that's that's what I meant the whole time? I think there are probably some happy accidents in this, but I also feel like he's building very – like, maybe even he didn't realize where he was going. I don't know. I feel some of this feels planned. Some of it feels happy accident. I feel like every – I think the, the ideas of cycles and circles, mm-hmm. whether he knew that was how he was going to, like – 
end things. Obviously, this is going after the spoiler warning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think that that's something that he's maybe, maybe like exploring maybe even for himself you know like where was he in terms of his addiction while he was writing these books that might be interesting to think about that like the cycle of addiction and yeah i guess like uh, so to me uh some of those those bits are like they just he uh, he got lucky because it didn't feel like at this point the story was like fully flushed out oh see i feel like this is the book where that happens like i think he was kind of just flying by the seat of his pants for the first two but mm-hmm. this is the book where he was kind of like okay because like this is where he starts building and all the stuff about the, the the like what's actually happening to the world like it was all very like hand wavy like there's weird shit going on yes the world is de- <laughs> in decay da, da, da. but now he's like actually talking about the mechanism of decay he doesn't understand like he talks about he's not sure if it's the symptom or the cause but when he's talking about the de- like the the beams dying but like he understands now that that's what's going on right yeah so i feel like while i don't know 100 percent that he knew exactly where it was going to go i think this is the book where like it was starting to like crystallize in his mind what he was trying to do I don't, that's my that's my opinion. I don't know if it's actually true. So sometimes when I go through this, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're clever, Stephen King. I see what you're doing. And then other times I'm like, yeah, are you sure you're clever? Or, like, you just got real lucky, buddy. And I, I, I can't tell. But you're right. Um, this is, Maybe he took all of those dream sequences, tossed them in here, and then was like, I need to hang stuff on these later on. You know, like, yeah, these are the possible. branches. And I don't know. They feel so specific in the way that, like, he packages, like, strange dream things and foreshadowing in a way that, like, it all feels like dream sequence, but you can pull the threads and there are through lines. I, yeah. I feel I feel like at least maybe I'm going crazy, as I do often, with these ideas about the robots being in a circle. And, like, the, I do feel like there is a, a circle motif from the beginning in these books. But, um no, I, the dream sequences, I think he very specifically knew where he wanted to go with those. Like, because, I mean, they're not they're not things that are alluding to book, for the most part, for things in book seven. There are things that are coming up in book three, you know, the rest of this book yeah, and yeah, book yeah. five. And you know what I mean? So, hmm. I don't know. I don't know. We need to get him on the phone. Does anybody <laughs> have a Stephen King's direct number? I, I have questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get back to things about this section that we can talk about out without the spoiler wall. Okay, so we I have the box. To... We've talked yeah. about the uh, uh, portal. Uh, we've mentioned the dream sequence. Uh, what else did you want to cover before we move to the next? Well, I love this section. This is the section. This is the like money section for me because we get some like really intense world building. We also get some answers to some questions that have been just very loosey-goosey up until this point like we knew the world had moved on but like we actually learn meaning to that phrase actually it's it's not just like you know time has passed it's much more literal than we thought yeah the world is literally changing it's expanding it's breaking down it's in decay nothing is reliable everything is broken like that is not the same thing as like you know back in my day which is the way that i interpreted that phrase leading up to this point and it also really to me put a new perspective on Roland in this world. He's the one last piece of reliable things. Well, to a degree. Um, 
that is like a relic of a past age. He's not just sort of like passe or like a man out of time, but he's like basically like finding a T-Rex on an island. You know what I mean? Like he <laughs> he does not belong in the world that he is in right now. And like I feel like all of these external forces are constantly trying to make him quote move on as well like the loss of his fingers the breakdown of his sanity it's like this broken world like trying to also tear him down as well but like he manages to kind of push through by like basically i was i kind of went back and i looked at this um he almost brings on his cotet as prosthetics for the things that he loses so like he loses his middle finger his pointer finger and his big toe Mm -hmm. which are like and this is a little bit of a spoiler Mm, how do i talk about this okay so like eddie suze susanna and spoiler alert 30 seconds please jake respectively like you know like basically you know like i feel like that's his finger eddie is yeah yeah like i feel like eddie is like his his pointer finger Susanna is his middle finger and jake is like his big toe like jake has is supporting him Susanna is like the middle finger to the world and eddie is like you know his number one like you know number one so um that's a good that's a clever way of like get that down i like it so I have a couple more things. I know I'm not all, this is the section I have the most notes on. So hey, bear with me. So the other thing I love about this section is all of the world building. <laughs> like I love the, one of the things that I love about the series is this combination of magic and science. And like this section encapsulates that so much. Like we get to see how the science works into this world of magic, you know, like there's something an evil and ancient about this box and the way that it calls to Eddie and is like seductive and tempting um, but it's also a technology that was created by, like, an ancient people. And, yeah. So, like, that kind of stuff is really cool. Um, and I like that it's science, both science and magic, kind of almost have a dangerous or predatory nature to it in this world. Whether it's things like the mutated lobstrosities or and slow muties or broken down robots. Like, everything in this world has become incredibly dangerous and, like... It's either sly and beguiling or it's just like dangerous and vicious and strange. And like later on in this chapter, when we start to see that Eddie and and Susanna could potentially be on their own in this world, like it really does raise the stakes in a way that is kind of exciting, cool and and makes you nervous for them. Like when they're under the umbrella of Roland's protection, it's not as scary for them, but the idea that they might lose that person in this kind of world is very scary and cool. Um, and then the last thing, and this is just like a little thing, but like when they were talking about the spiders in the halls of the dead, mm-hmm. uh, it totally made me think about it. Like the halls of the dead as the sewers where the dead lights can be seen. If you know, like, yeah, you know, that's just, uh, I don't know that that's intended at all, but it just, like, was something that came up to me was the idea of the spiders in the halls of the dead. I'm like, ooh, it's it! Watch out! <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, those are my thoughts about that section. We can move on. Okay, so, uh, moving on from there, we have yet another Eddie dream sequence. Uh, this time, he wakes up in, like, a dapper suit, listening to the uh, Rolling Stones paint it black. Yeah, songs about a- doors! He's on the way to the deli. 
and uh, he is anxious to get there so that he can like open the door up and see the field of roses. Uh, but his new heroine right yeah so he's like super excited about that like there's a couple of like uh, references here that we won't dive into too deep because it'll spoil later things um but uh then uh he's really kind of like upset because uh, suzanne uh, wakes him up she shakes him and like and he's like what 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 and then they realize that roland also being affected by dream is like screaming in his sleep about jake and so the combination there, like this, I thought was a little bit more important uh, because it felt like maybe the beam and the portal were still affecting them mm, and causing them both to dream at the same time. And then I also oh, want to ask you, like, what, what do you, th- why do you think uh, we don't get any Susanna dreams? Well, we definitely don't get them in this book. Right, we there's uh later there's like a whole book where we get a lot of upsetting Susanna dreams, right? No, oh, yeah, that's true. I don't know. That's actually a good question because like this book makes pains to be like, no, she's definitely a full fledged member of this group and like is not going to be sidelined. But you're right, we do not get a lot of internal Susanna life, and I wonder if that's just like maybe maybe King has trouble writing her. And it's easier for him to be in the heads of Roland and Eddie. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Like she is kind of, she's kind of a, another, she's kind of a black box, right? Like, like you, you know what I mean? Like we see what goes in and we see how she responds, but we don't necessarily understand the inner, like the internal workings of yeah. Susanna. And I would like to actually get in that head. I was wondering if maybe like, because she w- was two people and then turned into one person that like her shine so to speak hasn't hasn't like got there yet whereas like roland and eddie um have already sort of developed it and they're characters that have been around longer in the story than she has Mm. and because of that they have like uh i don't know maybe a um more mental capacity to like feel the impact of the box and the portal and stuff she they do mention like Suzanne's like I don't really want to sleep next to that thing it creeps me out yeah but like it doesn't seem to affect her as wholeheartedly as it affects Roland and Eddie uh, with these these dreams and so I, I just kind of it caught me off guard when I was sort of mulling this over like well why didn't it affect her well what's the reason it, it, does she not have the same like level of gunslinger skill as the other guys is like her brain not quite developed yet or like what's going on here mm, I don't like that um. Hmm. That's actually, uh, honestly, that it's something that's making me think forward a couple chapters into to a particular event that takes place that has ramifications moving on. Mm-hmm. That like the lack of internal life and agency for Susanna makes it a little troubling and harder for me to swallow. So now I'm going to yep. be thinking about this a lot. Sorry, yeah. Rachel. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is hey. This is why we're doing this. This is actually great. This is. Um, I'm usually so good about like really focusing on what's happening with my female characters, but I got so excited by the science that I forgot to be all feministy. So now you know how to distract me with with cool science. Um, I'm the one who like actually picked up on it. That's weird. Yes, <laughs> you know what that means. We're like we are. Yeah, we're like rubbing off on each other. Like I'm gonna you're start getting explaining privilege to people and, and doing. Oh damn! Somebody just got woke. <laughs> But yeah, no, that's that's actually a really good question and something that I definitely want to pay attention to moving forward. Like, 
we need more of Susanna's in her life. Like I love, I love, okay. We're, I love what she's doing, but I don't know that I, I don't, I don't totally understand. I'm, it's allowing me to kind of put my own thoughts in her head, but I'd kind of like to actually get some of her internal life. Yeah. Hmm. And I mean, like, I know it's not going to, we're not going to get the book changed. There's no going to be like, no, no, no. But, but at the same time, like as a character, Maybe you're right. Maybe Stephen King just shied away from it simply because... I mean, like, maybe, like, you know how, yeah, like, he basically, like, learned the lesson of writing the character from the last book. Like, you know, like, you do something embarrassing and you're just like, Ugh, and you just Ugh. avoid it. Like, yeah, like, some of the stuff from the last book, maybe he's just like, maybe I just won't. But that's not a good answer either. Like, we need no. to find somewhere in between. And maybe, maybe that will happen. So hmm. moving on from here, All right. uh, uh, Roland uh, gets up in the morning, they head back to the clearing, and he shows uh, Suzanne and uh, – um, why can I not remember anybody's names today? Eddie, uh, the the science experiment, this little trick that he, he's got. And Eddie's kind of like poo-pooing him the whole time, and Roland like takes a needle – and like kind of makes a little cup of water and, and tosses the needle in and it falls to the ground or, you know, falls to the bottom of the bowl. And like Eddie kind of poo-poos it again. And then Roland moves the water and the needle over to where the beam should be flowing. And the needle like kind of magically floats up and like stays mm-hmm. straight and true. And then he moves it back and the needle falls down to the bottom of the thing again. And at the same time, he's also explaining that, like, you can see the path of the beam, how the clouds flow, how the, the plant life is is kind of bent towards its will and so on. And it, it, it kind of uh, puts the, um, the tail on the donkey with the whole uh, earlier explanation of, like, science that Roland gave him about the nature of the universe and the connection of the beams and how it affects the world and magnetics, you know, what do magnets do, right? You know, how do they work? How do they work? It's a miracle. (laughs) Not to go too deep into ICP, but uh... (laughs) I like that. We both immediately went there though, (laughs) but it's like, it's kind of an interesting thing because you don't, you don't usually see Roland doing science, you know, like science is not in his like, no forte so it's kind of he's definitely not the major in this journey yeah exactly but it's like this is really like the first time you're like you know whoa roland knows a little bit about like the universe and magnetics and like how that stuff works and it's kind of it's a different aspect of his character that you don't normally get Mm Hmm. definitely and this part is just cool because like again like what it is for me is it feels like one of our issues with the previous book was like, it felt like it was just sort of like, you know, up and down a beach and not really having any sort of direction. And this like gives us some narrative thrust. Like we're like, okay, I feel momentum literally by watching this like needle rise to the surface and point in the direction of the dark tower. I'm like, ah, here we go. Like I feel how Eddie feels in this moment, like ready to start going, like put that first foot down on the, the walk of a 10 bazillion miles. Like let's do this. Um, and so that was that not only was it cool because it like illustrates exactly how powerful these beams are, but like it gives you that that feeling of like the journey is beginning. And uh, to that point, uh, so after he demonstrates this, 
uh, Roland gives Eddie his gun, and, and Eddie's like, "Well, what are you, yeah. what are you gonna do, man? Like, uh, d- don't give me your gun." He's like, "Well, you'll, you could throw a knife at something, I guess, and stop him." Like, and, and Roland's like, "Oh yeah, that's right. I have a knife. Here, yes. you should take that too." And like, it alludes to the fact that Roland is basically like feeling unfit to wield the gun because of the mental uh, issues that he's he's fighting with over the two different timelines that are in his head. Mm-hmm. I also, it, yeah, I mean, it's also talks about, you get a little bit of insight into Eddie, right? Like on one hand, he watched Roland have that, those nightmares the night before and have that realization of like, oh, if this guy turns on us, we are fucked. Mm-hmm. He is, he, he like, we get another comparison to Shardik, where, like, these ancient creatures, when they go mad, become incredibly dangerous. But at the same time, like, he doesn't, there's a part of him that doesn't want to see Roland give up his guns. And, like, it illustrates how vulnerable they are without Roland in this world. But also, like, how associated he is with his guns. And, like, you know, like, when you see someone really strong, like, very sick. And, like, you see the weakness for the first time and just sort of the inherent terror of that. Like, if it's a parent or if it's, you know, a family member or a friend, someone who was, like, very physically and mentally strong. Like, the first strong. time you saw Christopher Reed in a wheelchair? Yes. And it's just Let's like, go with Whoa. that. That's a, but, like, there is a certain level of terror that comes along with seeing someone powerful and strong, like, weak, right? Mm. And so... In addition to having seen this in this night where they don't talk about it at all, it's like very hush-hush the next day. Everybody acts like nothing happened. To see Roland actually acknowledge it, like you have to also acknowledge it. And that is very scary. And so I see why Eddie would push back, even though he knows the right thing is to take the guns, is because that means we're now we're all admitting that like it's another like step, like the denial phase. We're past the denial phase and like into the... like heading towards acceptanceville which is a very scary place to be (laughs) when something like this is happening right so so yeah i mean but i do love that eddie or roland makes a joke he lightens the mood he does something (laughs) yeah like i i normally one of my biggest pet peeves is like when people laugh in a book at something that's not fucking funny they're like no that's actually not funny but like (laughs) I think I felt the tension and I appreciated like the tension release. And so I kind of chuckled when Eddie or when Roland made a freaking joke. I was like, all right, Roland, good for you. I mean, Eddie always makes me laugh. Eddie, I find deeply funny, but like Roland actually made a pretty decent joke and I was very proud of him. Um, and it's like, like how you were just getting woke a minute ago. Like Eddie and Susanna are rubbing off on Roland just as much as like, he is the, he is both the student and the master. So. <laughs> getting woke. <laughs> I don't but know yeah. about that, but okay. So you um, are you're woke. You just don't know it. So, the, uh, <laughs> uh, so they continue on their march uh, down the beams path uh, across some streams, and they, there's animals running around and, and stuff. And and Eddie sees a ash tree and a branch, and mm-hmm. similar to the description that we got from the jawbone in the fire, Eddie kind of like sees the um, the thing in the wood. And, like, at that same time, like, his sheepishness over uh, carving as, like, a girl trait or as, like, some pansy thing Ew. that his brother used to, like, make fun of him about sort of, like, nags at him. And Roland, like, kind of reassures him and says, you know, you see it, it probably means something. Go grab that and do it. The ash tree is a very powerful tree. 
And, and this is where the key really, like, am I spoiling Rachel by saying the key? No, I mean, he says he sees the key in it. Like, yeah, he so... sees that, like, from this piece of wood, he could get 100% of the key yep, out of yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And he's got the curve and, you know, the tail at the end, the, the V shape, all that business. And the, he, he starts to realize this is really important, that he has to get it 100% correct. And, like, that's a very powerful item down the road you know he's like yeah leveling up his you know from a mage to a master or something yeah <laughs> i also love that like that night he sits down and carves the wood mm-hmm. in the past it was something he did secretly remember he would like and go like, off hides. into the woods yes and he does it around the fire with eddie and roland this time and i think part of that is that like roland completely repudiates like all the bullshit that underlies his shame around um around wanting to carve like all the just like toxic bullshit that his brother had like pushed into his brain like Roland's Mm -hmm. like he just like he just shuts it down he's not having it we're not we're not worried about whether or not this is babyish or you know geeky or lame or girly or whatever like it's stupid that's dumb like this is important you need to follow that and I think that is exactly what what Eddie needed to hear was someone just be like just completely shut it down like it um i think that Susanna shows like empathy and kindness and doesn't like she's like why why even would you care about this but like i think the forceful way that that roland shuts it down is like what finally like breaks some of that you know like lingering henry spell because henry's head voice is still in his head we hear him twice in this chapter so he's still there and i you know eddie like i don't think eddie's gonna fully be free and like fully embody his gunslinger destiny until he can like shed that toxic bullshit and i think this was another step towards that so eddie got a quite eddie got an arc this chapter he really did get to do a lot of like a lot of stuff which was exciting and we found out he sleeps quite a bit yes yes (laughs) dude is a lucid dreamer (laughs) uh yeah the other thing is the are we done are you have anything else you want to say no 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 i'm good all right the other thing is just sort of like the just the absolutely grim note this chapter ends on of like roland you know like basically staring up at the sky at old star and old mother again old star and old mother come up and i there's we talked about this earlier and like what it sort of symbolized but i was thinking about like as roland is looking up at these stars and there's these we we've learned the mythology of the old star and the old mother and how they're like on opposite ends of the sky and like basically like there is this impossible gap to bridge between them especially as the world continues to expand and grow bigger and like that becomes increasingly unreliable as it breaks down and like what would it take to bridge that kind of gap you know so on one hand it's like this very interesting metaphor for what's happening in Roland's mind as like the world degrades and his mind degrades and it expands and the space between his two, like his, the two things he knows to be true expands. Um, Like the question is, how do you bring those two things together? And is it possible to bring those things together? And what would it take to resolve and to like bring those two things together? And I think that's something that where either he's going to go mad or we're gonna find something that is so unbelievable and incredible and powerful that could actually bring those two things together moving forward hmm. yeah i i the star thing i i completely forgot about but uh he did mention earlier in this chapter too the uh 
that he still relies on the stars. They're like right. reliable enough, which like I didn't think about. But the even that is starting to fail. Yeah, exactly. Like the the world is is spreading apart and going further away from itself so much that the stars could not be trusted as a positioning system. Yeah. That's like kind of a really a big big one there. You know, exp- yeah. expanding universe. Roland just explained to us. Yes. And well, I mean, I, I think it totally alludes to what's happening in his mind as well. Yeah. Like this one thing, like the North Star. Roland is the North Star. Like he's the one last reliable piece of like piece of an old world that continues in this world. And like, like, you know, even he is breaking down to the point where even the stars are coming apart. Like he also is like this creature of myth that is also breaking down. I don't know. You know me. I love this stuff. So, I, I can't help but geek out. <laughs> so thoughts on this chapter? Enjoyable? I love this chapter. This is a great chapter. We got world building. We got raising the stakes. We got really intense character development with Eddie. We got weird science meets magic. This is all the stuff I love. Like, I know it was not an action-packed chapter, but, like, this is one of those chapters where nothing happens, but everything happens. And I love it. Because I, I feel like... All of this stuff is really important to understand moving forward because when we get in the action scenes, like it adds stakes. Yeah, definitely. So, how about I, you? What, what I thought you it was pretty, uh, pretty good. Like I oh, like, good. I like mysticky stuff, and I like yeah. uh, uh, science. And I'm glad that they didn't just like wave their hand and say because science and like walk away. Right? Like, they're like some things we can't explain. You know, whatever. And it's the same thing when like you magic away something in a plot. Like, right? They didn't. Stephen King didn't do that in this, and it made it better. And it's good, like, that you don't know some of this stuff, but, like, it's there and it's something to think about. I, I definitely uh, am surprised that I, I caught the uh, the woman issue more than you did. You did! All right, okay. But uh, otherwise, like, pretty good chapter, you know, I, enjoyable. Um, it, so much so that I had actually powered past this and on a ways, and I had to back up for this podcast, so... <laughs> I mean, that's the running thing, right? Like, <laughs> but it's kind of good because I, I'm actually really good about only listening to the section, but I mean, I have foreknowledge having read them before, but like it helps us. I think it actually creates a balance where like you are able to draw kind of conclusions that I've forgotten about. So it it, it, it helps the I've had to stop myself from, like, moving on to book four and five uh, several times. Oh, no. Okay, well, we're going to be better about recording in a timely fashion so that you don't have to hold back anymore. (laughs) Okay, so, um, so, yeah, that's basically it for this chapter. For the plan for next episode, we are going to be in a new chapter, you guys. This is big. All right, so our plan for the next episode is The Wastelands, book one, Jake, Fear and a Handful of Dust, Chapter 2, Key and Rose, Sections 1 through 5. Sounds That's good. That's about, about an hour's worth of audiobook if you're listening, which is how we're doing it, because we lazy like that. I mean, I to be fair, I also read along as I listen, so I'm giving myself a half reading point. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I read it the first time, and then yeah, I that's true. Same time, so same, same. Although I, I think I've... the later books I only ever listen to. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah, like books. I think from Wolves of Kala on, like I discovered audiobooks at the library and was like, oh yeah. So you were more evolved, young person than me. Yeah, I was really evolved going to the library. I'm so cool. 
<laughs> Alright, so no Stephen King connections. I looked to see if I could find anything with the map, because, like, they... That's the other thing we didn't talk about, is just, like, we got a geography lesson, which is another thing I love. I love... Because I, it's world-building, right? Like, I want to visually imagine what... And this actually helps me understand why the map never made sense in my head, is, like, knowing the world is expanding. But there's, like, a, I found a map, and I was able to look, like, oh, here's Magus, and here's, you know, Tall, and here's, like, Gilead and then you know what I mean like it was kind of cool to like see that kind of all come together um oh you know what else that we didn't talk about this and this is something actually a question for the listeners is there's a point where Roland talks about how John Farson is following him because he took something from him that was dear and I can't remember what it was is it I thought uh, is it the orb no I, th- I thought um Oh, hold on. Is it? Can I say it without spoiling anything? Yeah, I mean, if it's too spoiled, I'll just cut it. I just okay. genuinely wanted. I, I thought it was the the horn, because like he he Does steals he get it from the horn? him and then he loses it. Right. Okay. So it's the horn. Because I tried googling it and like the internet would not fucking tell me. It was so irritating. <laughs> I was like, "What is the thing that is so dear? Is it re like? Well, because I yeah. All right. Anyway, okay, that's helpful. Thank you, DJ. All right, so no Stephen King connections this week. No movie and news. No movie news. I mean, like there, there's so many Stephen King adaptations out there. We could have a news section about it, but like, I don't know. I feel like there are a lot of other podcasts that talk about Stephen King news. Like, if there's something really big, we'll talk about it. But for the most part, let's keep it pure. Unless you feel differently, DJ. No, no, that's fine. Uh, okay, we're about the book. Uh, if there's something interesting that we really feel hits the mark, that's awesome. Otherwise, like, honestly, Rachel does all the research. So I just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the work. You're the talent. Like, that's how, that's how we, our division of labor. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's fine. I don't care. I, it's easy. I like doing research. Um, okay. So instead, what I decided to do was um, take advantage of the amazing community we have on our Facebook group. We're, we're not really super great about updating on it, but the thing is, is like, it's at the same time, it's also like the best Facebook group I've ever been a part of because like the people here are just as into Stephen King dark tower stuff as we are like somebody is like running a a, like an rpg like it's really cool stuff happening over here but i went ahead and asked the listeners a question that occurred to me that uh as i was reading it um that i i want to know what other people felt so i'm gonna read i from the facebook group what people how people answer this question and then dj you and i can answer our how we what we would pick sound good yeah, I, th- I think I already actually spoiled it in the Facebook thread. Yeah, but, like, not all of our listeners are in the Facebook group, so. Uh, that's true. I mean, they should be because it's awesome, but they're not. So, all right, so the question I asked, because it was something that came to me as we were reading through this chapter, was, um, if Stephen King were to write a Dark Tower spinoff series uh, uh, based on something unexplored or underexplored from the books, what would you want that spinoff series to be about? So um, I asked the listeners, and they had some really cool answers. So I'm going to read a few of these. Um, okay, so Tim Shiflet says, the story of Arthur Eld might be cool. Hearing from King Arthur, the King, ugh. hearing the King Arthur tale through Stephen King slash Midworld lens would could be interesting. More on how the gunslingers came to be, etc. Either that or just retell the entire series solely from Oi's perspective, which I would read. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I would read. <laughs> uh david cross says how did pat oh these are spoilers by the way these are gonna have major spoilers so if you're super spoiler adverse we'll see you in a few weeks and um 
Thanks for listening. Go forth, enjoy the books, read the chapter. <laughs> we will, but but if you're staying here now, there shall be spoilers. So consider yourself warned. Okay. So David Cross says, "How did Patrick Danville?" David Cross says, "How did Patrick Danville get to Midworld?" I honestly feel robbed that I don't know. That's a good question. I have no idea. I mean, I don't remember it. Maybe it says in the books, but I don't remember it. I think David's read it much more recently than I have. So that could be interesting, just like a, a spinoff of, of Patrick Danville's experience. Oh, yeah, that's that would be a, a strange thing. I kind of, um, after you had me read, uh, uh, what was it, the the other Stephen King book uh, where he, like, moves between the two worlds with the Twinners? Yeah. I sort yeah. of felt Talisman. like that would be the story that we would hear, you know? Like, yeah. that's how he gets back there to Midworld. Mm-hmm. But I would, I would totally be down for hearing, like actually hearing the story. I love a good yarn, so let's let's bring it on. So David Williams says the fall of the city of Lud. Ooh, that would be really cool. Although I'm picturing sort of like an under the dome situation, like, but yeah, that would actually be really cool. Lud is one of those things that like is a standout moment in the series. Like the part where they're walking across the bridge mm-hmm. is something that I've literally had nightmares about ever since I read the book in like high school so so yeah anything about lud i'm into um korea black says i want to hear more about one the battle of jericho same girl same two the fate of the father fate of his father stephen to shane three the final meeting with Rhea. four his meeting with marilyn merlin um all of all of this is hinted at in wizard of glass book so i don't think you'd be able to discuss it yet but these are the things I would like to read about in another Dark Tower book. If you wrote a final book with these details in mind, I would truly feel that the Dark Tower story would be complete. I mean, I, I definitely am a more is more person, so I'm going to agree with all of these. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gigi Dietrich says she wants to know more about Gabrielle. And you know what? Again, that's another case where we're not getting a ton of internal life of one of our female characters. I would love to hear her backstory. Like, I know it's explored in the comics more, but, like, knowing... So this is Gabrielle Deshane, um, Roland's mother, for those people who are not on a first-name basis with her. Um, I would definitely like to know. We know, we learn a lot more about her in Wizard and Glass, but I would actually like to go much deeper. So I agree. So, there are a couple more that um, I'll read in a minute because they actually agree with me. <laughs> but DJ, what about you? How about you? What are what would you like to see? So, uh, you know, I'm the story itself like yeah, there's a lot of like little bits that I would love to have explained, but uh I, I think more of a fun book that will like was hung off of the tree of the dark tower, but like wasn't really anything uh-huh. that progressed the plot. Uh, about the uh, um, the lobstrosities and maybe like their Chernobyl background. Oh, the creatures themselves are like uh, such a large, almost humanoid type of animal. And then same with the, like the slow muties and the rest of the like strange creatures, like the bird-headed creatures. Oh, that, like, the tahine. Ow, ow, ow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like uh, all of those together, like seem like you almost need like an animals of of the. Uh, you want, like, a bestiary of the Dark Tower? Yeah, like, or maybe, you know, like, you just uh, go straight with the lobstrosities and, you you know, you somehow link that back to Chernobyl and, 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 and explain that, like, the Russians walked into the water and never came back out again and they showed up on the beaches of, of Midworld, like, as lobster people, you know, or something <laughs> oh like that. Oh, my God. Awesome. That sounds actually really cool. I would be down for that. <laughs> what um, about anything... you? 
Oh, for me, okay, so I actually agree with a couple of listeners here. Um, Chris Floyd and Angela Jones both are kind of on the same page as me. So I'll read theirs and then I'll talk about me. Um, Angela says, I'd like to hear more about the Guardians of the Beans. Where did they come from? Where are the Guardians before them? How were they created? And then um, Chris Floyd says, I'd like to read more about the fall of the Great Old Ones and the catastrophe that led to the world of Roland moving on. And yet, like, those two things I feel like are linked. You know, like, we're going to find out a lot more about the Guardians if we learn about the um, fall of the Great Old Ones. But that was a thing. As they were talking about the create, like, how the science of this world worked and, like, how they were created by the Old Ones, I was like... Why don't I know anything about them? I want to know everything about them. I want to know what happened. Like, what, well, I want to know about the t- period of time where they learn or they figure out that they need to create these beams. Like, what is the world at that point like? Like, what is the catastrophe that A, led to it? What is the world like that they're trying to save? How do they save it? Like, what happens after? What the cycle? Psych- like, why they, they program the Guardians to be what they are? Like, that's what I want. I want a spinoff series about the Great Old Ones. And I want to learn everything I can about the beam making and the the guardians as this well. This sounds like a good opportunity for fan fiction, right? If only, yeah. I've never written any fan fiction, but if I was going to, this would be far too advanced for me because <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the answers. I want somebody who's smarter than me to tell me how this all works. But I want Stephen King. I mean, like, dude is seventy now. On delay, on delay. We need more Dark Tower before you kick the bucket. Before you go off to the clearing in the path, you know. Like, <laughs> I want to. <laughs> I like this. I mean, as much as I'm enjoy, I enjoyed the outsider and stuff. Like, I really one of the my favorite things is when he went back and told the when he came back and did okay. went through the keyhole. Yeah, like I want him to revisit. Like, clearly, there's more, a lot more to be told in this world, and it doesn't just have to be about Roland. I mean, I would love a sequel, but uh, where we find out what happens now. But at the same time, like if he didn't, if he wanted to leave that to the listeners' imaginations, there's still lots of little places that he get in and expand, and and that don't necessarily have to be canon to this you know like i don't like as long as you keep the technology the same like you could really go places careful what you wish for you're gonna get metachlorines that's dark (laughs) way to crush a dream with one word dj (laughs) so yeah that's the spinoff that i would love to have all right so That's kind of it for the show. Uh, we Normally we have so many other sections, but there was no connections or anything. So I guess um, if you're enjoying the show, just a reminder, you should get in touch with us. Let us know what you're thinking. Like, we, what was what is the spinoff that we didn't touch on that you would actually really love to see in the, um, of the series? Send us an email at castofcaught.zombiegirls.com or jump on the Facebook and add your comments. Just because we've already recorded doesn't mean that I'm not going to keep reading these. Um, so definitely, if we if we didn't touch on one, let us know. Also, you know, if you have a question or something you'd like us to cover on the show, let us know. Get in touch. And if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And definitely check us out on Spotify. And All SoundCloud? Right. Question mark? Not on SoundCloud. Do we need? Do people go on SoundCloud? Is that a thing we need? Is that a place uh, we need no. to be? So uh, SoundCloud it just it makes it easy because it they have a podcasting section that pro, uh, oh. propagates your podcast to all the other platforms. All right, maybe so, I'll I'll explore it. I mean, we already are on too. But iTunes. SoundCloud will probably die soon, so don't worry. Okay, <laughs> I can't keep up with all this technology. Do you remember when everybody used to be on like Libsyn or something? <laughs> all right, so. Until next time, DJ, where can they find you 
on the internet. I'm pretty quiet on the internet these days, guys. Uh, I've got a real life and lots of stuff going on, but Boo, you hiss. can, <laughs> you can uh, uh, find me at dslrfilmnoob. Actually, no. I think dongdancer.com, Jeff accidentally redirected the entire site to dongdancer.com, so now uh, <laughs> dslrfilmnoob.com is on dongdancer.com. Uh, oh you can also God. find me on YouTube, uh, One Lone Dork, or DSR Film Noob. And you can uh, look at me on Facebook. I think I hang out in the uh, Casticaw thread there, so I see yeah. what you guys post to. And uh, Sometimes I even put spoilers in there, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> we enjoy your comments. The interaction's always fun, and, and you guys are great, great, great listeners, so... Thanks where can me. if people want to see your movies where do they go oh uh so all the movies that i shoot uh, with the rest of the dead lantern crew can be viewed on amazon you can spend a meager three dollars to watch the eyes of isabel one of the greatest horror movies i've ever made and uh, uh you know many others uh we also have um i think dvds available as well uh, deadlantern.com is still officially a website though i don't know what goes on there anymore and uh, most of the IRC folks have moved on to Discord, so uh, it's a ghost town around there. But you're welcome to stop by and take a look. <laughs> okay, if you want to find me on the internet, you can, uh, if you're interested in horror movies, definitely check out Zombie Girls Horror Podcast, where we review horror films from a feminist perspective to varying degrees of success. Or if you prefer to stream your horror, then definitely check out The Stream Queen, where we review horror films that you can stream on the internet. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in a few weeks in theory. <laughs> Bye, everybody.